Dear listeners, are you tired of the endless cycle of fad diets and extreme measures? It's time to wake up to a better weight loss solution with Robody. As someone who's been through the ups and downs of weight loss, I know firsthand the challenge of trying to find what will stick. That's why if I qualified for Robody today, I'd jump at the chance for a scientifically backed program that supports long-term success. With Robody, you'll gain access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market, paired with personalized lifestyle changes. Over 200,000 people have already chosen Row to help them lose weight. Say goodbye to the roller coaster of weight loss dreams and hello to sustainable, real results with Robody. Go to row.co slash snoozecast. Sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash snoozecast. designed to help you fall asleep. On Snoozecast, we read excerpts from public domain works and occasionally original stories. We'd like to thank our listeners. If you enjoy our show, please review us on Apple Podcasts and also share it with a friend. Shout out to Trina the Baddest for her five-star review. We're glad, Trina, that Snoozecast helps you as you wrote get sleeping in no time. The best place to listen to us is on our website, snoozecast.com. That way you can play the episode and fall asleep without another one automatically playing. This episode is supported by Fireplaces When It's Cold Out. Originally published in 1920, Our Family Affairs 1867 to 1896 by E.F. Benson is a memoir by the precocious and prolific British author. Many of his works are famed for their wry and dry camp humor and social observations. get cozy. Close your eyes. Relax your body into the softness of your bed. Now, take a few deep breaths. Chapter 1. Wellington and the Beginning My father was the headmaster of Wellington College, where and when I was born, but of him there, in spite of his extraordinarily forcible personality, I have no clear memory. 
though the first precise and definite recollection that I retain at all, heaving out of nothingness, was connected with him, for it certainly was he who, standing by the table in the window of the dining room with an open newspaper in his hand, told me never to forget this day on which the Franco-German War came to an end. Otherwise, as regards him, somebody swept by in an academic cap and gown, a figure not at all awe-inspiring, as he became to me very soon after, but simply a rather distinguished natural phenomenon to be regarded in the same light as rain or wallpaper or sunshine. Cudgel my memory as I may, I can evoke no other figure of him at Wellington except as something shining and swift, an external object whirling along on an orbit as inconjecturable as those of the stars, and wholly uninteresting. He had a study on the left of the front door into the master's lodge, where there was a big desk with a shiny circular cover. I know that I was taken in there to say goodnight to him, but the most remarkable thing there was, the big desk with large handles, and perhaps a boy standing by it, mountainous in height and looking extremely polite and gentle. There was the same ceremony every evening. My father kissed me, put his hand on my head, and said, God bless you and make you a good boy always. The most significant detail of that ritual was that my father's face was rough, not smooth like the face of my mother and of Beth, and that there lingered round him or the room a smell of books and a smell of soap. A little later on than that, there came a period when for half an hour before bedtime, my two sisters and I, for the present the youngest, used to visit him in that same study while he drew entrancing pictures for us, each in turn. One of these I found only the other day. It represents a hill crowned with a castle and a church in front of which is a small knight waving his sword in the direction of a terrifying dragon, horned and tailed, who is flying across the sky. Below, in minute capitals, runs a rhyming legend. Or I went to the college chapel, though not often, and by way of a treat, and there was the same figure in a surplice in a stall on the right hand of the door of the entrance. I believe I was there on the last Sunday of his headmastership and that they sang a hymn which he wrote. Emotionally, I have no picture book illustrated with memories of my first five years, but externally I have impressions that possess a haunting vividness comparable only to the texture.